I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you by what you've done, what they said you did, but they are magnificent, they marvelous. You, are. you need to know that you're okay just the way you are, molded in you as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. It's Love on a mission in a world where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters. Today we're going to be talking about mentorship. Mentorship is about how people are imparted to by others. People who are hungry for knowledge, attention, experience, and guidance in an area where they want to have a mastery of success. It can be sophisticated, it can be complex, it can be very simple and informal. There are many ways that people can be mentored. Nine out of 10 workers who had a career mentor say that they are happy in their jobs. 87% of mentors and mentees feel empowered by that relationship. 89% of mentees go on to mentor themselves. And 97% of those with a mentor say that they are invaluable experiences. What are the characteristics of excellent mentors? Good listeners good sounding boards, flexible. They value diversity of perspectives. They're knowledgeable. They're non-judgmental. They're able to give constructive feedback. They're honest and candid, and they're able to network and find resources. I wanna just mention to you some of the famous mentors that are out there. Steve Jobs, for instance, mentored Mark Zuckerberg in developing and managing Facebook. Gandhi mentored Nelson Mandela. Maya Angelou mentored Oprah Winfrey. Father Michael Van Deer mentored Mother Teresa. Steven Spielberg mentored J.J. Abrams. Socrates mentored Plato. And one of the examples I wanted to share with you is the example of Elijah and Elisha from the Bible in 1 Kings 19. And in that particular chapter, Elijah was dealing with a lot of difficulty. He had had these amazing experiences in his life. He had been used of God in a powerful way, and he was on a mountain and was able to declare powerful outpourings of God's miracles. And in the midst of that, he had a victory, which was followed by a threat from Jezebel. And the threat was basically that he was going to be killed. And so in the midst of this powerful, amazing, miraculous experience, he sat underneath a juniper tree and he was attended to by the angels and he was in a deep, deep depression. In fact, it said that he was so depressed that he wanted to die. This amazing prophet who was so powerful and bold came to a point in his life where he was so gripped by fear that he wanted to die. And God kept asking him, what is it that you're doing here under this juniper tree? And all he kept doing and saying was focusing on the situation of fear. And when he finally got to a point where he realized that he needed to obey the voice of God, God told him to go and to raise up Elisha. And Elisha ended up becoming a more powerful prophet than Elijah was. It said that Elisha had a double portion of the anointing upon him. And that's an example of a mentor. When Elijah was powerful and magnificent and had reached this point in his life where he was so stressed and strained, God had another plan in mind for him to be able to 
reproduce himself. And that's what mentorship is. It's reproducing ourselves. And we all know that we come to a point in our lives where we've done powerful things and amazing things. And we start to look at what's going to happen next. And the answer to that is often having a mentor experience so that we can be the mentor to someone who's up and coming with fresh legs and fresh perspectives and we can be that to them so there were amazing victories in elijah's life we have amazing victories and then tremendous opposition that happened in elijah's life which we also experience on a day-to-day basis fear and doubt can come in and almost a paralysis in our lives where we feel like we're not really progressing the way we want to And all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for us to be able to pass the torch and to impart to somebody else. And when I think about my own life, I didn't have a formal mentor. I didn't have somebody who was assigned by big brothers and big sisters of Southern Connecticut, which, by the way, is a real and powerful organization. But I had people that were very instrumental in my life. I was part of a family where nobody had graduated from college on either side of my family, and I didn't have a plan to go to college at all. My plan was what we had always been trained. You go to high school, you graduate, and you get a job. I was part of a youth group, and the youth group was in a more wealthy town, and one day my youth group leader came up to me and said, Ginger, what's your plan for college? And I said, I don't have a plan. And she said, what do you mean? You haven't thought about it? I said, no, I I, I don't have any plan for college. And so she began to just talk to me about thinking about the idea of going to college. And I remember going to my mother and saying, you know, I really, really want to go to college. And she said, no, absolutely not. We can't afford it. We don't have money for college. And um, not only did my youth leader and a parent of a really good friend of mine stick with it, but we actually had somebody from the college I was interested in come to the house and meet with my mother and go through the finances. And my mother was able to say, yes, I think we can swing it. And I applied. I had a terrible GPA compared to the others. I had never even heard about an SAT. I took the SATs. You can imagine what happened with those scores. I ended up having to go to some remedial classes in the beginning of my experience at college. But I went, and then I began to outlast my other peers who were ready for college. And people kept quitting, and people kept moving on. And I was the first person on both sides of my family to graduate college. And that was because of this specific woman, Reg, who came into my life and mentored me at that time. I think about a professor, Dr. Stein, who passed away, who was part of Gordon College where I went to school. And he was a very grumpy professor that was very intimidating. And I took a just a simple speech class with him to, you know, satisfy a requirement. And when I took this class, I got up and he said to me, when I did my first speech, he said, is your mother or father a famous public speaker? And I said, no. And um, he said, there's no public speakers in your family? And I said, no. And he said, I'm really surprised with the level of fluency in your speech. And nobody had ever said that to me before. Nobody had ever commented on my ability to speak publicly. And I don't even know that I had many opportunities to do so. But he met with me and he encouraged me and I became part of a drama program. And that became my mentorship experience. And I can honestly say now with someone who was never going to get a college degree but has a master's degree and somebody who was never really in front of an audience and has been in front of multiple audiences, that Reg and Dr. Stein were powerful people in my life, and they mentored me in a powerful way. 
the professional experience with mentoring is that some children might be matched with somebody. They may have issues and they may be matched with a mentor in the community. Um, I was part of the Amachi program where Dr. Reverend Wilson Good basically developed a program for mentorship over children who were impacted by their parents being incarcerated. And Amachi stands for who knows what God has brought us through this child. Basically, it's an African name that declares something over a baby. Who knows what God is going to do with this child? And there's so many people out there that nobody's asking that question. Nobody's looking at that child or that adult even and saying, I wonder what God is going to do with this person. And that's what a mentor can do is they can see that. What is it that God had intended for this person? What was the purpose of this child being born? And let's try to draw it out of them. And so there are many, many people that have become involved in nonprofits and so forth in really trying to be matched with children that are otherwise being overlooked or neglected, or maybe they just don't have enough support around them. And it's really powerful. And I remember that at one point in my experience with working with young incarcerated females, I would work to get them matched with somebody in the community that would go into the prison and meet with them. And I remember when I was checking in with one of my incarcerated uh, young adult females about how the match was going. She said to me, Ginger, I will never forget that a perfect stranger came into this prison every week to spend time with me. As long as I live, I'm never going to forget that somebody who never met me before came in and took time with me. And, and I remember that um, during that time, I used to go to different churches and try to get people to sign on. Please be a mentor. Go into the prison and be a mentor to somebody. And a lot of the pastors and a lot of the people, they weren't interested in that. They were only interested in going in and preaching. They wanted to be a part of running the services. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that there's only so many Sundays in a year and there's only so many spots. But I used to think about the scripture when it referenced Jesus kind of talking about how people really reached out to him by reaching out to others. And he said, when I was in prison, you visited me. That's what he said. He didn't say, when I was in prison, you preached to me or you, you had me go down an altar call or whatever. He said, when I was in prison, you visited me. And so, I, you know, when people try to get overly religious sometimes and thinking about, you know, reaching out to people who are incarcerated or whatever, they, they get sometimes too involved in the over-spiritualizing of it. There's something so powerful about just visiting someone and just listening and seeing and trying to figure out what is it by which God has brought this person into the world? What is it can I, that I can pull out of them that's powerful? And so there are lots of ways that people mentor, and mentoring happens naturally, too. It's not just a formal thing. It happens naturally. When I would do trainings in trying to bring the mentors to a place where they're ready to be able to reach out and have matches, I would ask them all, out of all of the times and experiences in your life, can you name a person who impacted you the most? And I will tell you, 90% of the time they would mention teachers. So I just want to speak to teachers who are out there right now. And I know there's a lot of you out there that are very frustrated. I know that the 
the, the, the stress and strain of the pandemic and the post-pandemic world has been very, very taxing. And I know a lot of people feel like giving up and not being in this field anymore, but I want to tell you that if you are a teacher, you have the ability to powerfully impact positively or negatively the students that are within your classroom. And I just want to mention that anything that you can say um, can have an impact upon your students in a powerful way. Teachers are so powerful, and I do want to encourage all of you that not only those that teach, but those that are students in, in circumstances that you really give that feedback to that particular teacher. I remember at one point when my daughter brought home this uh, book, and I believe the book was called Thank You, Mr. Faulkner, and it was about a young child. It was a children's book. It was about a young child who was in school, and uh, she had a learning disability, and she didn't know what it was. She was struggling with reading, and so she would sit day in and day out struggling to be able to get through the content and to read and to be along with the peers at their level. And the peers would tease her at times, and she felt just so horrible. And her teacher, Mr. Faulkner, I believe that was his name, he would pull her aside during recess and try different things with her. And he finally one day was able to nail that she was dyslexic. She had never known that. This was back years ago before there were all sorts of things implemented to be able to discover those issues. And he finally was able to let her know what was wrong. And she began to weep. She began to cry. And he said, you poor thing, you must think that you're stupid. And she began to sob. And I began to sob when I read the book because it was a revelation to me about how many people are walking around thinking that there's something seriously wrong with them. It's not just with learning. It could be with their behavior. It could be with their relationships. It could be with whatever it is that they're struggling with, their finances, that all it takes is a person to step in there and to take a look and to understand the root problem and to redirect them or to retrain them. And it's a powerful thing to have that type of influence on somebody. And I think about coaches have the ability to do that. They have the ability to really help a person to advance in athletics, or they have the ability to verbally abuse and make people feel horrible and discourage them and cause them to deal with all sorts of verbal attacks that are unnecessary. Youth leaders in churches and religious groups and communities have the power to step in there and just really do amazing things for the kids that they impart to. Troop leaders, uh, parents of friends. That's one thing that I've always loved to be able to do is to just be there not only for my children but for their friends. They may not always have the type of nurturance that our family provides and other families have things that we don't. I remember that there was a time when my daughter was going into uh, doing some consulting and it was all sorts of really complicated uh, tax structure and developing a business and my husband and myself sat down and we, we talked about it and we were like, this is over our heads. And we got my brother-in-law involved and my brother-in-law helped her and sat down with her and mentored her through the whole experience. And I thought to myself, you know, it's so amazing, that whole concept of it takes a village to, you know, really train up a child and help a child to be able to understand that we have limitations as parents, we have limitations 
as people, even within our uh, realm of where we work and what we do, we have limitations. And we need to be able to understand that it takes other people to step in there and to impart to the people that we're training up or that we're supervising. I was thinking about you and... I want you to think for a minute about your own experience of somebody who mentored you. I want you to think back to when you were a child and you were in the formidable years when you were in elementary school, you know, age six through age 12, during that particular time, and even junior high, and then move it forward in your life. I want you to think about that person because I know there's somebody that's there that you may have long forgotten who was powerful in your life and who noticed you. And I want you to think about what you gained from it. What was it that they gave you that made you think about them so many years later? Was it a word of encouragement? Was it just a pat on the shoulder? Was it an opportunity that they gave you? Was it relief from some bad situation? Or was it like that example of Mr. Faulkner who was able to identify a learning difficulty? Have you ever considered thanking them finding them if they're still alive, if they're still living, and, and just thanking them for what they did, acknowledging that they were powerful in your life. And I want you to think about what did they see in you that others didn't. I'm reminded of a biblical story of Hagar, who was Abraham's, basically, she was like the maid in their house. And at one point, Abraham and Sarah were trying to have children, and they couldn't have children. And what happened was Hagar ended up sleeping with Abraham. It was his idea. It was a bad idea, but it happened. And she had a son, and it became a mess. And at one point, Hagar just ran away. She brought her son, and she just ran away. And God met her in that desert and encouraged her in that desert and spoke a blessing over her son and over her life, even though she was just lost in every possible way. And after that, she named that spot the God who sees me. And that's what a mentor is. It's somebody who sees us when other people don't. I was thinking about a time when I was in elementary school. I think it was about third or fourth grade. And I had a science teacher, Mr. Baxter, who I, I just thought was the greatest person. And he never really said much to me. Uh, but he knew that I was bullied and he knew that kids had been mean to me. And he also noticed that I would often be around basically the lab animals. I think they were rats, which I don't like to think about that now, but back then I loved them, charcoal and snowflake, the rats that were in the science room. And he noticed that, and he came up to me at the very first vacation that the school was experiencing, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas, and he said, Ginger, he said, I wanted to know if you would like to take the rats home for the week and feed them and take care of them. And I was so excited about it. And I remember thinking, why did he pick me? I mean, out of all the other kids, and they all have much better grades than me, or many of them did, uh, but he picked me then, and he picked me again, and he picked me again. And it wasn't until years later that I thought about the fact that he did that because he saw me. He saw that I needed something else 
than what I was being given at that school, that I wasn't being given support or advocacy. I wasn't being given attention. And his, in his small way, he gave me something that was really essential, something that I really loved that made me feel important. And it sounds so crazy, two rats named Charcoal and Snowflake that I brought home on a school vacation, but it, it impacted me and it made me think about where Hagar was, where she just needed somebody to see her and to understand her. Another story that comes to mind about mentoring is a story that my husband spoke about when he was a little kid. He had a very, very large family. He was one of eight children, and he just had so many young boys around him in the neighborhood, and his brothers were very close in age to him. And he felt a little bit lost at one point in his life, and he said that there was a neighbor next door uh, who, it was just an older man and woman, they'd never had any children, and he was obsessed with birds. And uh, my husband would go over to that yard and he would just sort of follow around this man and watch him as he would feed the birds, as he would bird watch, as he would explain to him the different kinds. This is from the New England area. This is a rare find. And he began to just share with him all of these things. He'd also talk to him about flowers and gardening and different things. And so years later, way, way, way past my husband graduating high school, moving on in his career, getting married, he began to get back into loving birds. And he started telling me about this neighbor. And again and again and again, he would bring up this man. And I remember saying to him, you know, how did this happen? You know, was this something that you know, your parents decided to have this couple babysit you and, you know, you just went over there after school four days a week or whatever. But no, it was so natural. He would wander over to the yard. And I remember thinking to myself, I never met the man. I don't believe he's still alive. But I remember thinking to myself as he told the story that this must have really met a need on both accounts. My husband was able to have special attention. He was able to learn about birds to this day day he's passionate about birds. I mean, it's only gotten stronger in his life. But also this neighbor, he didn't have any children. And so I believe that it met a need in both of them. This man was able to really experience the unbelievable love of a, a young, hungry child, hungry for attention, hungry for knowledge. And he felt in a way probably that he was doing some parenting, that bridged a gap in the loneliness that was in his life. And it made such an impression on him that now my husband being later in life, he just turned 60 years old, that he's remembering his experience when he was nine. That's how powerful mentoring is. And it's something that God really put into place. If you think about it, you know, Jesus was in a situation where he was mentoring his disciples. He wasn't able to do it really one-on-one. -on -one. The mentoring that he did more was with Peter, James, and John. It was a smaller group of his disciples. Uh, but he was able to spend some time really honing in on things, training and teaching his disciples during that time. And, and that's why mentoring is really, if you think about it, it's all through the Bible. There was a story about Cornelius who was a Roman centurion in the book of Acts, who was giving to God. He didn't know anything about Jesus having died or except probably by rumors. He was giving to God, giving alms to the poor. And finally, an angel came and said, the Lord has accepted your offering. 
And he was probably, what the heck? You know, he'd never heard God's voice before. But they said, basically the angel said, God has accepted your offering. And so it blew him away. He knew that he was a godly man. He knew that he was just being the person that he was raised up to be. And he loved God and he wanted to honor God, but that's the only way he knew how. And the angel of the Lord said, I want you to go and see Peter. Meanwhile, Peter, who's on fire for God at this point and has been, is at his house and he goes up on his roof and he sees animals and birds that he knows he's not supposed to eat as a, a Jewish man because of those laws. And the angel of the Lord says to him, go and kill and eat, basically. And he's like, wait a minute, this is not God. I'm not supposed to eat these animals. And before you know it, Cornelius then comes and the two of them end up having this relationship where Peter mentors Cornelius. But what happens? Cornelius learns about what it means to have a relationship with God, what it means to go deeper in a relationship with God. And Peter learns that the gospel is not just for Jews anymore. The gospel is for all people. And he's challenged in understanding and knowing what it really means to have a relationship with God, that it's for all people. It's for slaves and free. It's for male and female. It's for Jews and Gentiles. So that mentoring relationship that God put together ended up having benefit on both ends. And it's a powerful story about both needs being met. And it wasn't just so much that, that Peter had all of the answers but it was the fact that God had one person be the main mentor, but in the midst of doing it, they were able to be benefited greatly. So that's what mentoring is. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in the celebrity culture. It's in the business culture. It's in uh, informal and formal ways that we are able to impart to one another. There have been so many powerful stories of things that have happened where people have gone to another level in their lives because they've had someone else impart to them. And, and I think about my husband and I think about that experience. To this day, he has brought so much love into his understanding of birds and nature. And God has spoken to him through his experiences with just being around the amazing colors and unique creations that God has put in the animal kingdom. But that passion was brought out of him because of this one man that took time to spend with him. I think about Dr. Stein, who's gone on to be with God, who to this day would be so excited to know that I'm even doing this podcast, this shy student who didn't even think that she belonged in, in a college, who wasn't prepared to go to college and certainly didn't feel like she was going to be super successful initially, is now here doing a podcast and talking about him all these years later. And, and so I know that there is a great reward. And I want to encourage all of you to be thankful for those that imparted to you. Thank them. Recognize them. Tell your children and others about them and be that. And so I want you to think about some of those examples that maybe you have passed by and disregarded and never really thought about. I want you to think about, you know, do I need mentoring in something now? Is there an area in my life where I've just been stubborn, where I've been trying very hard to excel in this particular area, but I'm not doing well? And I need mentoring to not have pride, but to be able to reach out and ask somebody, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing with this. Can you please help me? And to open up your heart, because that's the only way we're going to get to the places that we want to stretch to. 
you have to have people that are experts in wherever you're going to help to assist and walk you down that road. And also, can I mentor someone else? Can I maybe just stop thinking about sitting on the couch or uh, hoarding all of the opportunities? Is there somebody that I can take under my wing? Is there somebody that I can impart to, that I can show the ropes in my life, um, that I can, at the end of my life, I can look back and say, I have duplicated myself. I have trained somebody and I have brought another person along and I know that this person can continue the work that was started because our dreams and goals should be bigger than our lifetime. If they're not, then they're not big enough. Our true goals and dreams should outlast us even when we pass away. And that means there's going to have to be people that can take those things and run with them when we're no longer doing it. So to think about mentoring someone else and to think about where we might be able to do that is a good challenge for all of us today. Some of the end quotes I want to give you is that uh, this was by... J. Lauren Norris, and it says, if you cannot see where you are going, ask someone who has been there before. And I love that. There are times when we know that there's an, a direction that we're going in. There's a place that we want to aspire to, and we don't necessarily know how to get there, but ask someone who's been there before. And also, if I have not seen it further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. That's Isaac Newton. If I have not seen it further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants, Isaac Newton. And I just want to say that it's a powerful thing to impact another person's life. Don't ever give up on doing it. Don't ever give up on seeking it. We need each other, especially in these times that we're living in right now. We need one another. We need to trust. We need to impart. We need to open up our hands and our lives to people so that we can impart to them because mentorship is something that is such a powerful force. In collaboration with IML Productions, this has been your host, Ginger Wilk, with That Which Matters. Thank you for listening.